This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919-1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. On this week's Big Tech Show, you might not think it could happen to you, but our guest this week explains how a significant number of Irish people may be falling victim to romance frauds online. Victims can feel a misplaced sense of shame. People can blame themselves. They feel embarrassed. And so they don't want to tell family, friends. They don't want to report it to the police. In some cases, of course, the victims are already in relationships. They're married. They have an extra reason to keep that quiet. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. Today on the Indo-Daily, fighting fines and finding peace, the two sides to Britain's COVID story. Mum obeyed the rules, we obeyed the rules, and Mum sadly passed away um, with, um, with a nurse in hospital while we sat, myself in my own home in Newry, my brother in Moneymore in County Derry, my other brother in Cookstown, County Jerome and my sister in Hollywood, County Down. Four separate homes, four separate families, sitting in our homes, picture of mum, candle, and saying the rosary, because my mother passed away. Meanwhile, across the water, party was going on in 10 Downing Street. Marie McCardle wants justice for her mother, Anne McIver. Mum was very much the um, head of our family and the link that held us all together. We will never move on from this. You know, we, you know, this is my mother who died alone. For two years, the group Marie belongs to, the UK-based COVID-19 Bereaved Families for Justice, have been calling for an independent, judge-led, statutory public inquiry into the handling of the COVID-19 pandemic by Boris Johnson's government. And for very good reasons. We sat in a funeral parlour around the TV and that was the send-off my mother got. Um, We were watching um, the video of the funeral that the priest was saying in an empty chapel. My mother's coffin was in the funeral parlour. She wasn't wearing it, she was in a plastic bag. She wasn't wearing her own clothes. Um, And and we sat... um, distanced from each other in that funeral parlour while we listened to the Mass. Marie McArdle and so many others have been left heartbroken by the loneliness of losing loved ones to COVID and not being able to be by their side. And then this happened. I can confirm that the Met is now investigating a number of events that took place at Downing Street and Whitehall. Today I've received a fixed penalty notice from the Metropolitan Police relating to an event in Downing Street on the 19th of June 2020. And let me say immediately that I've paid the fine and I once again offer a full apology. For Marie, watching the drama unfold over Partygate was like salt being rubbed in a wound. Those involved were largely unapologetic. And families like hers are still grieving. But for Marie and thousands of others, it won't be so easy to forget. We have been campaigning for an inquiry 
um, Boris has, uh, has has announced the inquiry. He has um, appointed the chairperson. It's moving forward. But to be honest, because of Boris's reaction um, to the fines, because he partied, because he broke his own rules, because he kept saying all the rules were adhered to, I don't trust in the inquiry. We will keep fighting for it and we will keep fighting for justice. But, uh, you know, I, to be honest, I myself don't hold out much hope for it. The the trauma that that we are feeling is, is very much there. And uh, I mean, I say an inquiry will go somewhere to explain why so many people needlessly lost their lives. But it won't bring mum back. This prime minister... Um, will keep making these mistakes. He will keep lying, you know, and I would call for him to please do the decent thing and resign. I'm Siobhan McGuire, and today on the Indo-Daily, we're looking at the fines issued to Boris Johnson, his wife, Carrie Johnson, and Rishi Sunak, Chancellor for the Exchequer. I'm joined by the Irish Independence, Ireland editor, Fionnán Sheehan, and Irish Independent political writer, John Downing. John and Fionnán, Boris Johnson's the first sitting prime minister in history to have broken the law. So what do these lockdown party fines mean for him, if anything? Well, they mean he's in trouble. He's the absolute, as you say, the absolute first uh, prime minister to ever do any, to ever be in such a situation, investigated by the police and basically found, uh, found to have transgressed laws he made himself. I would have said pretty serious stuff. A second difficulty he has, and perhaps the more serious one, is that he, quote unquote, misled Parliament, considered to be a very serious difficulty. His own reaction to it is, look, uh, sorry about that. I'll pay the fine and then I'll just get back to work, get on with the job. Job being, of course, uh, war in Ukraine and measures to tackle the cost of living. Those, uh, his supporters, the cheerleaders out there saying, look, this really amounts to a parking ticket. It's really very small stuff. Don't you know there's a war on? It's time we got back to business. It's very much kind of sorry, not sorry. Do you reckon, Fionnán? Sorry with, with, with caveats uh, attached and which is kind of consistent, though. I mean, you know, um, his opponents will say he lied to Parliament, which is uh, as serious as the as the offence of of breaking the law. But nonetheless, he's he's sticking to his story that he was kind of an innocent bystander when all these 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 parties were just happening around him, and that he uh, he will m- maintain that position because you know otherwise he's in a slippery slope. Uh, once he starts conceding that he was he was wrong, uh, you then start the unpicking of what he said on on each occasion because you you now have you have this sling of events running through uh, 2020 into 2021, and you then have that sling of excuses that he put forward on the, the floor of of the House uh, of Commons. So they can't be be clearer than that. Uh, in terms of of his explanation. So he kind of has to to stick to those explanations. Now, 
Will are will the great British public be be surprised by this? Uh, is I think the question that that springs to mind for me, and and largely speaking, you'd you'd probably say no. Uh, they know that Boris Johnson has a history of lies, mistruths, um, dishonesty. Uh, they knew that this was what they were electing as well when he had that landslide victory two years ago. I can remember being over covering the British general election and being up in Yorkshire at one point talking to these two ladies who were out who were out walking uh, in a park and and chatting away to them about Boris and they were laughing and saying, "Oh, Boris, but he's a bit of a cad, isn't he? Ha ha ha! Who will you be voting for, Boris?" So you know, I, I'm not really clear that that. I think two two things are to his advantage at at the moment. One, uh, the the lack of a very obvious successor uh, within the the Tories themselves. Now there'll always be somebody to take up a job if if, if it becomes available, and likewise the the lack of an alternative on on the the Labour side. Yeah, Keir Starmer is certainly a, a serious uh, in individual, but the, you'd have to say, have the has, have the British public connected with him yet. Uh, probably not. So, you know, Boris will will continue to to muddle away, and you know he he's he's got this far adopting that pr- approach throughout his career. I mean, he's been falling in and out of favour with the British public, um, you know, throughout his entire time as Prime Minister, John. And then we saw him meeting President Zelensky, um, yes. that surprise visit this week, and everyone's like, ah, St. Boris, great again. Yes. And then this happens. So, you know, are we are we looking at, a, a you know, another episode where Boris bad uh, will quickly turn around to Boris good again? Well, it's all about timing, really. I mean, if if you look at this, this this broke in in early January, and it looked like he he was curtains. Um, meanwhile, he uh, investigations it gets parked into investigations done by Sue Gray, the senior civil servant, sometime new Republican, uh, and then the the London Metropolitan Police. Now we have a verdict from the London Metropolitan Police. We're told we'll have Sue Gray's report next week. Uh, What's different now? Uh, The world is at war. And as you say, Zelensky uh, of Ukraine has singled Boris out for special praise. And uh, the, the, the whole thing, timing is on his side right now. Very interesting stuff uh, in in surveys done soon after the uh, the, the police uh, result it says six out of ten people believe there are grounds for Boris Johnson to go. Uh, three out of four people believe he lied. Nine out of ten people believe he's going to stay exactly where he is. Another interesting feature is twenty five only twenty five percent of Tories. Tory grassroots believe he should leave. That was nearer 40% last January of 40% of Tories. Now, the thing is, three weeks uh, from now, there will be uh, local elections in Britain. The organisation is very much preoccupied with these local elections in England and Wales. They'll be on the same day as the Northern Ireland Assembly election, for example. So, Timing is very, very much on Boris Johnson's side right now. So it is that that timing issue is now benefiting him in terms of both the, the war in Ukraine and also that COVID has been knocked down the league table of 
talking points at the very least that you could say amongst the, the great British public. Uh, you you probably got the war and the cost of living crisis and and oil prices uh, up there, right up up at the, at the top, and then COVID is underneath that. So yeah, if this if this had been three four months ago, or even in the, back in the 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 midst of, of last year, you would have said, yeah, I think Boris Johnson is is going to is gone here, but you know, events move on and, and, you know, he has, uh, whether by accident or design, been quite successful in, in terms of, of delaying the outcomes of these investigations. And we, you know, you say events move on and we heard from Marie McArdle earlier, you know, and, and she is still grieving over the loss of her mother and the loneliness of not being able to be with her mother as she she passed from COVID. And at the same time, you have government ministers, um, you know, enjoying parties. I think it's really ironic that Boris broke these rules, but not only broke rules, broke his own rules. I mean, there's a certain arrogance about all of this, isn't there? Yeah, there is shocking arrogance attaching to this. It is absolutely from the book of do as I say, not do as I do. Uh, this one is, while he's certainly not going to going going anywhere, notably people who were who were on his case, uh, MPs who were prepared to sign up to a motion of no confidence last January, have now publicly said, no, now is not the time, citing the Ukraine Ukrainian war. However, this one isn't going to go away. There are uh, 12 other parties, or there are a total of 12 events being investigated by the London Metropolitan Police. It's understood Boris Johnson is uh, associated with perhaps up to six of these. So there may well be more than uh, more fines to come and more, more findings against him. Then we expect, perhaps as early as next week, Sue Gray's report. So if you if you factor into that the whole question of the Ukrainian war, as it grinds on, and it unfortunately, very sadly, this is this one is programmed to last perhaps months, if not years. Therefore, you, you begin to ask a very bad local election result in three weeks' time, followed by the Ukrainian war becoming less and less of a hot-button day-to-day topic and a slew of continual adverse findings, I think he's still on a very dangerous corner. It'll undermine him. But, uh, I mean, ultimately, what you're, you're kind of looking at the situation now is it, it would have been, an, this would have been enough to topple him three months ago, but now it's not enough to do so, and there's enough there for him to to survive for now. John, I I do want to bring you in first on the issue of the fines, and we're talking about Boris's fine, of course, but two others also received fines: uh, Carrie and Rishi Sunak, Chancellor of the Exchequer. Yeah, the case of Rishi Sunak is very interesting. Uh, if we were talking this time last week, we could we'd probably have been talking about. Rishi Sunak, Finan's point: there isn't a credible alternative. There was it. You, it was he was called Rishi Sunak. He has had an extraordinary precipitous fall from grace. His wife, 
the, the possessor of uh, non-domicile tax, uh, tax-free accounts overseas at a time when he's tightening the screw on taxation to try to fund cost of living and fund the fallout from uh, COVID-19 measures and so on. So he was in very bad shape. The Times of London uh, have reported that he considered seriously resigning. There was a long silence from him. That has not been denied. It has an air of truth about it. Uh, Rishi Sunak didn't resign. He paid his fine also and apologised. He's now very valuable as a wounded uh, uh, second-in-command, so to speak, or uh, finance minister in London. The longer he stays, uh, the better for Boris uh, and a, a lucky stroke for Boris that he didn't go. Obviously, if he had gone, I think that would have put a very different complexion, made it far more difficult for Boris Johnson to toughen out. What currency did Rishi pay his fine in? Was it in sterling or or that of that's his a, home country, a, the United States, where he has a, he, where a he now has question. a green card? Yeah. So yeah, Rishi's Rishi's fall 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 from grace has has been quite dramatic. There has also been a theory uh, in the UK over the, over the past few weeks that he was uh, effectively deliberately taken out, not clear by whom, uh, but no doubt there will be there will be some theories that that perhaps the the leaks about uh, the the tax arrangements of uh, his wife and himself uh, perhaps came from near enough to Number Eleven Downing Street. But what are the implications of these uh, turbulent times within the Tories and the British government for for our own country? Yeah, so you'd need a dramatic series of events to come about in the next couple of weeks to have have a direct impact. We, similar to John, has been talking about the the, election, the local elections in the UK. We have the the Northern Ireland Assembly elections here in in the next uh, three weeks on on May the fifth, and Brexit and the Northern Ireland Protocol and border checks are a key point of that in terms of the the internal battles uh, within within uh, unionism and their their connection with with the public. So. If Boris Johnson left, was replaced by somebody else who perhaps adopted a, a different position uh, on engagement with the, the EU, maybe adopting a, a softer stance, uh, perhaps taking a more pragmatic approach, perhaps there would be, be ripple effects there. And alternatively, you could have somebody who would come in and take a more, uh, even more firm approach to that that would, would, would benefit those uh, making arguments on the on the unionist side, so one can't see that coming about in in short in such a, a short period of, of time. Obviously, because of our close geographical, historical, cultural, and economic ties to to the UK, whoever is the the prime minister there does significantly matter. You would have to say Boris Johnson is certainly not somebody who one regards as a friend of Ireland. Um, the you know there have been Tory prime ministers over 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 the last number of decades who you'd say we've had a, a positive relationship uh, with. Um, John Major springs to mind, for example. David Cameron was uh, there at the time of the the, the Queen's visit, which was a, a high point for Anglo-Irish uh, relations going back eight hundred years. Uh, and you know, so w- would we be shedding any tears here to see Boris Johnson go? No, not really. 
but we, we kind of know what we're dealing with there at, at the moment and we don't know what's going to follow him. Certainly instability is never any help when you're trying to deal with overseas relationships and uh, a leader looking over their shoulder or a, a leadership contest, a prolonged leadership contest would be very unhelpful. We need a fix in amidst all the difficulties we have. If you could get the uh, Brexit resolved with a, a reasonable compromise, it would be a boon. Uh, they talk about potentially Liz Truss. If Hardy comes to Hardy and he he is ousted, Liz Truss's name is mentioned. Uh, she's a pretty insubstantial figure in some respects, but she is uh, currently the lead person on Brexit. Uh, she's She's a former Remain campaigner. There is a lot of hope there that if she took over, there could be an early fix on the whole border issue and Brexit for Ireland. My thanks to Fionnan Sheehan and John Downing there. I'm Siobhan Maguire and today's Indo-Daily was presented and produced by myself, researched by Gareth Mulhall, recorded by Gavin Hennessy with sound by John Smith clips from independent.ie, BBC News and Sky News. If you enjoy the Indo Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review.